the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and welcome back to Iowa Real Estate. I'm here uh, with our financial, I know, legal. I mean, this man, I have to tell you, Stephen Ebert is probably one of the brightest guys I know. So, Stephen, good morning, Stephen. He's one of the good morning, brightest Daddy. Stories. How are you? I'm good, and I'm just boasting about you, and I because I really think, and I mean this, I don't say anything I don't mean. You're one of the brightest guys I know, especially as far and and in every every matter. I don't think there's ever a question I ask Stephen that he doesn't have a great that he doesn't know the answer for. And he's probably, as I said, as far as attorneys go, if you need a real estate attorney, as I said, go to a real estate attorney. Don't go to your brother-in-law. His firm, Cassidy, they are the best in real estate, and Stephen is an expert. So Stephen. Now that I, I, and I really believe that, there isn't anything I've ever asked you you don't know the answer to. Um, what, what are you seeing? How are you seeing this market? Like, and I don't want to say, I don't know if Joe Biden's correct or not correct that the COVID is over. But I do know, because I do know a bunch of people with COVID, but it's milder now. And so I think the worst of it is over. Let's put it that way. I think it's going to be around for a while. What are you seeing? And what are you seeing that came out of it? What do you see from, you know, your eyes and what you're hearing? And, you know, how do you see this market? Yeah, th- thank you, Dottie. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting market because there's no one story to the market, and that's very important. You know, when you start averaging statistics, you're not going to see the real answers. And you need to break it down by neighborhood and by price point and by also types of buyers, meaning primary, second home investors. And and when you split it down, I think you're going to get a better analysis than if you just lump it all together into a stew of data. So a couple of things. Uh, I know you and Tom went into great detail in, in the last hour uh, on types of products and the rates. And rates are a factor for one segment of the market, right? For your first-time home buyer, for your client who's doing that rent versus buy analysis, a movement in the rates can really make all the difference in the world. But let's also put this in context, right? If you're going to make a major investment, buy a place for a half a million dollars, a million dollars, two million dollars, a couple of hundred dollars a month in your monthly payment is not going to be your sole driving factor. That's not how one would do the analysis. And also keep in mind, right, Dottie, it's not like the rental market has been quiet. 
we've got, as you know, no. we've had a very, very hot rental market, right? Hot? It's I've never seen it like this. So I mean, people so would be to online the, to get an apartment. It's crazy. Absolutely. So so now we have an interesting thing. So let's look at the more entry level part of the market. You still have a very robust rental market, but you've had rates move up. So if you're the consumer and you say, I'm sort of caught between two trends, rates have gone up, and also rents are very high. So really, where where's my choice in saving? Um, and, and so I, I think when you start doing that, you know, there is, you know, it still makes sense for a lot of those first-time buyers to buy. I think Tom is on to something when he, you know, expressed the point that there's a decent chance that a year or so from now actually rates will, will dip down. And there's a strong argument for that because what we've seen recently have been what we called um, an inverted yield curve, right? Normally, interest rates for the long term are higher than the short term because the longer you have to predict in the future, the more uncertainty, so it's higher. But we've seen the opposite, where the short term is higher than the long term, which unfortunately tends to happen when you have a recession. And so I think Tom gave some very good advice in the last hour when he said people should consider maybe that adjustable rate mortgage and maybe refinancing a year or two down the road because there's a strong argument that that, that, that that's what can occur. Put that together with a few other factors. Um, one, we're seeing some increase in inventory. Now, that is one statistic that sometimes people get slightly nervous with. People say, oh, my goodness, if inventory is going up, that means the buyers are disappearing. And, and, I, and I would say not true, right? When you take your dinner out of the oven and it's piping hot and you see those bubbles bursting, right, you're not going to eat it immediately. you got to let it cool down a little bit. And what we're seeing is in some other areas that instead of having – you better make your decision in five minutes of seeing the house with 20 people online, a more normal market where there's two bids instead of 15 bids, um, a more a more proper equilibrium. So I, I think the fact that you might see in some areas an increase in inventory is a positive thing because the market is really stabilizing. And also what's going to happen is, and I've seen this in a lot of areas, some properties have not gone on the market because the sellers don't know where they're going to move to. Right. And so that's absolutely critical. So that's another dynamic at play. The other thing I want to talk about that's at play in, in designing the market and seeing what's going on is the employment picture and also bonuses and the equity market. And I think that's a much bigger driver in your bigger metropolitan areas than the interest rate. Because, again, if you're talking... Can you explain that to our listeners? Thanks. Absolutely. I mean, look, if you're going to buy a place for a million dollars and you're going to be spending thousands of dollars a month between mortgage and insurance and electric and taxes and water, two, three hundred dollars a month, while it hurts your bottom line pocket, would love to have that cash in my pocket than going out the door. The reality is, that's not changing your calculation, right? But if you have job uncertainty or if you think you're comfortable at your job, 
but your bonus might be half this year what it was last year, that's going to have a major impact if you're going to decide to make a purchase. And, and Dottie, unfortunately, look, look at the stock market this past week. Okay, that was disastrous. Week. I mean, why did that all happen? What do you What are you thinking? I mean, what was the What do you think the cause of that was? Well, that, that's also another complicated uh, combination of factors in the stock market, right? One of it is the Fed is raising rates. That's putting some pressure because one of the things that grows the economy is companies making further investments to expand. And if the Fed increases interest rates, that increases the cost of short-term borrowing and commercial paper, which means businesses that want to expand new plant and equipment, that is going to cost them more money. So they're going to have to make a decision and say, is it profitable enough over our cost of borrowing and business risk? Now, that's one side of it. You also have the, you know, difficult news that you hear. You're going to have Vladimir Putin, who made a threat, although it seemed a lot more smoke than, than reality, uh, of reinforcing the Russian army and, and, and nuclear talks. But I, I think he has his own domestic difficulties. Um, and what you're going to see coming up um, is the real decrease in oil production out of Russia. What's happening in Russia is true economic collapse, in my opinion. The loss of Western technology, supplies, and experts, and what's going to and markets is Russia's oil capacity is going to drop significantly. And what I hope is that the U.S. modifies its policy and ramps up production um, to increase oil uh, exports and fracking because there is a lot of opportunity for that. But Russia is in a very bad spot, but it's very replaceable. The other thing I'm worried about, and then I'll get it back to real estate for a second, is that Russia and Ukraine are two very important areas for agricultural production and also for fertilizer. And I am slightly concerned at the increase of commodities and food next year, not this year, even though it's gone up, but next year, because there's a lead cycle of a year um, where we're going to see potash and other fertilizers coming out of Ukraine and Russia that won't be on the market. Uh, luckily for America, Canada's a big producer of that, um, but that's also an impact um, that can affect just the overall cost of living. So these are some of the uncertainties out there that could filter in um, to our equities market. And everyone's feeling that in their savings, so when we translate that back to a buyer, particularly a first-time buyer, who says, wait a minute, six months ago, I could have gotten a mortgage for three and a quarter instead of six and a quarter. Six months ago, I had more money in savings, not less now because of the market. Those, I think, are the, the, the pressures um, that's going to affect them to buy. And, and it's really not the real estate market itself. I think it is the consumer um, discomfort that's going on. All right, but Stephen, another question, because, you know, when I prepare for the show, I read tons of articles and things. And some people, I mean, many people say that we're already in a recession. Some people say that this is basically just a kind of a reset, a reset 
you know, where we just kind of reset the whole economy. Do you think we're in a recession now? Well, I'm a firm, you know, as a lawyer, words have meaning, and the meaning of words are critical to what I do for a living. And the textbook definition is two quarters of negative growth. And we've had two quarters of negative growth. So 100%, that has been the textbook definition for years. I know people may want to at times change that definition, but that's what it is. I, I do think we're in recession, but, you know, different types of recessions act differently, right? We have a habit of always fighting the past battle. And every recession is a little bit different. One, you know, take a look at, you know, the employment, the unemployment figures. The unemployment figures have been pretty good. You know, Very one of the good. classic signs of the recession. So, so what's going on? What's going on is I think we have a problem with labor force participation, which is a different number, right? You're unemployed by definition if you don't have a job and you're looking for a job. But if you say you stop looking, you're no longer unemployed. So the but better statistic in my mind. In other words, once you stop looking, they don't count you in the numbers. Exactly. So they don't really, unemployment statistics don't really address the either frustrated unemployed who stopped or the people who say, I just don't want to work, which is a weird <laughs> phenomena going on right now. I know, I know, I know. I, 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 it, it's really amazing because there's so many jobs and you have a lot of people, this recession, I mean, excuse me, this, this, this COVID where people were locked down, they didn't work, they couldn't work has really changed a lot of people and how they want to work. And the millennials really never wanted to work the way the boomers did, like seven days a week, no matter what hours. So this is really a trend that probably was going to happen anyway, but I think the COVID kind of expedited it. Absolutely. But the other thing, which is very odd, is you're, going to, you're seeing a change in American manufacturing. Like, I remember when I was younger in the 80s, when we had that recession in the late 80s, it was all about America was no longer competitive in manufacturing, right? Remember that? You heard that story for years? Yes, yes. Everything got outsourced, moving to Japan, then to Taiwan, to Korea, and then ultimately to China. That is changing dramatically. You are seeing, Dottie, the beginning of a trend of onshoring, which has been going on, of remanufacturing back in the United States. Because what they've learned is that, one, it's really not that much more expensive because the cost, the, the percentage of labor costs in the overall production has gone down. So what matters more is certainty. And let me tell you something. Who has more certainty in the political climate, in the business climate than the U.S.? There is not war issues. There is not government issues. Right. You you manufacture in Eastern Europe right now. You have a concern on energy and what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. You manufacture in China. There is great political risk right now. There is also currency risk right now. There is also shipping costs um, in the sea lanes. Um, those risks drop out. And so what you're seeing is chip plant manufacturing that are going to happen. Um, investments in the United States. So what's interesting about it is you see 
a lot of short-term concerns, we also see some longer-term trends that are actually quite positive. So that's why the picture is so fascinatingly odd, in a way. There's all these conflicting things happening. And by the way, that's also happening in Washington right now. The Federal Reserve is doing the best they can to put the brakes on the economy and inflation by raising rates. But right. at the and same time, okay. Steve, they say they're going to keep on, I read that they're going to keep on raising rates, even if it almost causes like a recession, until they can get this inflation down. And it's not going to fully work, Dottie. And I'll tell you, tell you what, there's a few other counter trends. So the Federal Reserve right now is slamming their foot on the brake. So imagine you're driving your car on the highway and you put your left foot on the brake, but at the same time you have fiscal policy, right? The Fed controls monetary policy, but you have fiscal policy. And is government spending less or more? They're spending more. Is government decreasing or increasing taxes? They're increasing, you know, they're, they're also messing around with taxes. And, and so they're globbing up money as well. So, look, it depends on your politics and which economic model you think is the more correct one. But part of the problem that's going on is the Federal Reserve and the political class are also fighting with each other because they're doing opposite things. If you want to slow down the economy, decrease government spending. But they're increasing government spending and increasing rates. And so those two are butting heads, um, and, and the policies are not aligned. Yeah, I can't figure that out because we're still spending a lot of money. We're not, you know, we're just keep on spending. And I think, you know, we've got to kind of be a little bit more cognizant of what we spend. But again, and, just, and you I know, think- I, you know, do you, what do you, I mean, I look, nobody, I tell everybody, look, anybody that you're reading, no matter who you're reading, what story you're reading, these are all people that are predicting future. And nobody really knows the future but the man upstairs. Um, and they just take a bunch of factors. What are you seeing, you know, what, you know, personally, what do you see, in, you know, you, you know, you're heavily involved in the market and what goes on in your clients obviously make a lot of decisions based on their assumptions of where that market is going. What do you think? Well, overall, I think the market is solid. You know, whenever people see a change, they always think the worst, I think, in the market. And I think overall the fundamentals are good. I think the biggest issue that we have right now is for New York is people need to have confidence in the government and policing So I think, one, there needs to be just an effort to clean up. The reality is, while murders are down a little bit, which is good, crime overall is up about 30% or so from last year. That that is an image problem. It is a solvable image problem, and they're avoiding it. And so, look, you know, we have an election in two months, um, and... um, you know, and we'll, we'll see what happens then. But that is definitely, you know, a critical issue. People need to feel safe. The other thing is we've spent a lot of years bringing families back into the city, and we also need to make sure our school system is strong for them, too. And that's...
MyPillow is having their biggest bed sheet sale ever. The MyPillow Percale sheets are available in a variety of colors and all sizes. Now on sale, for example, the queen size, regular price $89.98, now only $39.98 with your promo code. Order now, as there is a very limited supply. The MyPillow Percale sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They have deep pockets to fit over any mattress. The MyPillow Percale sheets come with a 10-year warranty and a 6 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code AM970 to receive the MyPillow percale sheets for as low as $29.98. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. That's 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. I'm Rob Taub, host of Broadway at the Russian Tea Room, a unique radio program for fans and industry pros. We celebrate theater, but not just the stars. While we've featured renowned thespians like David Threlfall and Kelly O'Hara, our guests have also included Tony Award-winning director Scott Ellis, scenic designer Scott Pask, Jessica Blank, and Eric Jensen, the creators of the off-Broadway hit Coal Country, and film producer David Winkler. Writers have included comedy legend Alan Zweig, Bell and best-selling author John Sanford. We even discovered indie film director Sofia Alvarez. Our in-depth interviews take you inside the creative process so you learn how a production really comes together. Tune in to AM 970 The Answer on Sundays at 5 p.m. or live stream at www.am970theanswer.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. After driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, we believe Mitsubishi Motors now launches its most exciting lineup ever. Get thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Choose from a wide selection of trim levels in either front-wheel drive or all-wheel control, all featuring the flexibility of third-row seating. With special finance and lease programs, you'll be sure to find just the right Mitsubishi Outlander for you. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com. That's FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. 732-863-2788. Freehold Mitsubishi. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Welcome back. We were just talking about before the break uh, the key uh, economic factors uh, that are affecting uh, people making decisions. And beforehand, we were talking about how you know you have the market uncertainty, you have also the different approaches from both the Federal Reserve as well as from our government in D.C., both putting the accelerator on and pressing the brake in trying to decide how they are approaching uh, things. And that's going to have an impact in buyers looking to proceed. Um, Again, while rates are a factor and it is affecting their monthly payment, um, it also is these broader issues create uncertainty for people as to whether they want to proceed 
with their transaction uh, or not. And we're seeing that in how contracts are being negotiated. We're taking a look and we're seeing what people are focusing on on the contract and also on the volume of the contract. Uh, certain parts of the market remain very strong, um, but other ones you're seeing buyers take a little bit of a pause. Uh, in the luxury end of the market, we are seeing you know contracts and interest uh, remain strong. Um, the kind of issues that people are concerned about um, are, are really the ones that, that deal with their personal timing and their personal concerns, um, what works for them, what they're seeing in their specific business. So that, that's really some of the elements that we're seeing going on right now. Um, also, how people and what people are negotiating in times of contract for closing date and uh, mortgage contingencies. Well, thank you, Steve. And we look forward to you continuing this conversation next week because it's kind of it's a, a work in progress. Nobody really knows exactly how this pandemic affected us. It's kind of too early to call. So we'll keep you all posted on all the trends and what's going on. Steve, always great to have you on, have you as my one of my co-hosts. And we'll be back. You'll be back next week. And now we're going to introduce Alfred Renner, who's been on the show before. Everybody loves him. Um, he is kind of the guru of New York City. Alfred? Hi, Dottie. Thank you very much. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, although I hope I'm not getting over. I really don't feel that great today. But I, I always talk to you because there's so much, you know, you read so many things going on. And I was reading about... Um, the, the, I, the, that I think Ken Griffith was putting a, a property on the market that in the city, I think it's the highest price market. Our highest price home is like $250 million and that he's hoping to get that. And um, I'm reading uh, that time war- oh, oh, that is related is trying to, in Hudson Yards, uh, take gambling and put casinos there. Um but all of that goes, when you look at New York City, and of course, I was there during the UN, which was kind of, I don't know, a nightmare. <laughs> Where they're gone. What are you seeing? I mean, you're an expert. You've been in the business. You've been in, in Manhattan. And I always look at Manhattan because Manhattan is, you know, the city is a city and it's always going to be. What are you seeing? Uh, what are you seeing that? What do you think about the proposed price, you know, the price congestion where they're going to charge people to come to see. What are you seeing that, that you see? And what are you seeing buyers and sellers sentiment? Uh, that's a very good question, Dottie. And, um, you know, we, we have a, a fairly large real estate market. And within the market, there are many, many sub markets. And the, uh, so the $10 million buyer or the $250 million buyer, hopefully, um, is different than uh, the one-bedroom buyer and the two-bedroom buyer. So on the, on the lower-priced properties, the majority of, of people purchase with a mortgage. And as it's been said, the, um, um, it really comes down to it's not so much about the rate, it's about the monthly nut. What's it going right. to cost me? What's it going to cost me? So. Whether the interest is 3%, 5%, 7%, it, 
doesn't make much of a difference to our typical buyer. It's just what is it, what, what's it going to cost me? So there are many different ways of affecting that monthly cost when it comes to financing. And you have your financing and mortgage experts. But something that's being commonly done right now is buy down. So if you estimate the length of time you're going to be in the property and you buy down the rates, that means you, you pay some money up front to have a lower interest rate, it could be well worth your while um, to have a, a lower monthly cost. And we're also back to predominantly a one-bedroom sale, which means that most properties traded are one-bedroom. Second to that is two bedrooms, then three bedrooms, and so on. Um, during the pandemic, there was so much movement going on, right? or let's say 2021, which was right. an incredible, incredible year because uh, the world was moving during 2021. We had a change to two-bedroom apartments in New York City. That was the most popular size property. And I think a lot of people really were doing that to scale up to two bedrooms because they needed a home office to work, you know, work remotely. And that continues to change the needs of buyers all the time. Um, I had a meeting recently, and I asked, sort of asked the same question to my agent, what are your buyers thinking right now? What are they going through? And, and one of the agents said, my buyers, the buyer doesn't want to be a chump, <laughs> meaning they don't want to overpay. You know, they don't want to overpay. But, you know, Dottie, we've been here many, many times. And as you know, the, the market is cyclical. And, you know, if you, you contract for a certain price today, maybe next month it'll be down a little bit. But then it always comes back up. And then when it comes back up, that person who didn't buy is upset. I should have bought that beautiful apartment because I'll never find that one again. And the person that did buy feels, feels good because the property value did go up. So this creates, an, an op, creates opportunities. Not as many opportunities as everyone thinks because if someone doesn't think they're going to get their price, they're not going to put the property on the market. And in Manhattan, we don't really have very much bankruptcies on, on properties. Um, and that's because of the minimum amounts of money that you have to put down. So there'll be some opportunities. People will be a little bit more negotiable. Not a whole lot, Dottie, but just a little bit. Oh, I said no fire sales. <laughs> Don't forget no, that. No, doesn't It doesn't happen. So what changes, what doesn't change is when you come across the right property or home for yourself, go for it. And I say go for it because in the long run, you're going to be very happy and satisfied because overall, the trajectory of market value goes up. There are dips. Maybe we're in, we're in a little bit of a dip right now, but not a big dip, just a little bit. But it's going to go back up. And right now, the uh, buyers are circling. They may not all be signing a contract, but that's creating pent-up demand. And as soon as things stabilize, as soon as people feel confident, like, okay, we can breathe, uh, the war is over, or interest rates aren't going up anymore, then they all are going to flood the market and buy the limited inventory that's on the market and push all the prices up. And it's limited. But you know, Alfred, you know, what's probably happening that I think, there's so many uncertainties 
because, you know, you hear we're in a recession, we're not in a recession, we're in just a reset where the economy is kind of resetting. Um, Nobody seems to have an answer. I was just on a Zoom call with like 12 very, very prominent men across the country. And of course, they should have had more women than me, but I was the only woman. And they, you know, they were all giving their predictions on not necessarily New York City, but on what they see. And, you know, some people said, you know, well, you know, they see, you know, things moving along, just not at the same rate. Others, other men said, well, you know, it's too soon to really know because the pandemic officially kind of, if, if you want to call it over, it officially was over a couple of weeks ago. And that's too, too, too early to know the long effects of that. Uh, but as far as the city goes, I mean, look, it's jammed. I mean, I don't want to go by last week because last week was an anomaly with the U.N., but it's jammed and it's busy and people are paying big money. And then I look at all these major people and companies that are investing in New York. And I always say, when you're not sure what to do, look at what all the people that are like, you know, the, the, the major people are doing. And they're making big investments in New York. Yes. Yes. They're making huge investments in New York. And what I find very interesting is that, you know, you and I have been in the residential real estate brokerage for uh, a couple yeah, of... Don't say it. Of, don't even say a it. Of, <laughs> a couple of decades. <laughs> and, um, and we've been through um, the cycles before. And You know, the first time I went through uh, a downturn in the market, it was in the late 80s with the stock market crash, and it was my very first time, and I panicked, like, you know, that's the end of the world. But you soon learn that humans want to go back to thriving and building, and and the market came back, and and the market prices went up, and then we went through another, another downturn. We've been through multiple downturns, and we know that what goes down then comes back up. So I feel very, very confident in the residential real estate market of New York City. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll continue after I hear music, Dottie. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a break, but I'd like you to talk to, to uh, our listeners about the current you know, New York City real estate market and um, what's going on there. So we're going to talk about the current New York City market, the opportunities, and what's going on there, and what we see down the road. We'll be right back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm with my residential guru, Alfred Brennan from Douglas Ellis. I'm Sloan Martin with Mike Golick Jr. College football Saturday night, week four, heads to Norman as Oklahoma hosts Kansas State. Kansas State, who has upset the Sooners two of their last three meetings. Gotta watch out if you're Oklahoma and want to stay in the mix. Big opportunity in the Big 12. You will not want to miss it because Saturday nights are meant to be fun. Catch us right here Saturday at 8 on your home for college football Saturday night, powered by Learfield. Catch college football Saturday night right here on AM 970, The Answer. Keep your body moving with powerful nutrients to support your joints and overall mobility. Invite Health is here to save the day and your body with the best-selling cartilage HX. 
Cartilage HX helps to maintain the health of your cartilage and promotes flexibility and mobility. This powerful formulation provides a patented form of type 2 collagen called UC2 that has been shown in clinical studies to promote joint comfort and strong, healthy bones. Just listen to what some Invite Health customers in the tri-state area are saying about Cartilage HX. I had a problem with my left knee and had to take baby steps going up the stairs. I'm almost normal now. Miracle! When I climb the stairs, my knees no longer hurt. Stay active with the help of Cartilage HX. Buy one bottle, get the other free, plus free shipping today. Call 800-673-2345 now to order. Again, that's 800-673-2345. Hi, it's Joe Piscopo. You know I love performing at the Saccone Theater at Bergen Community College in Paramus, so I'm bringing my band and heading back there on Friday, October 21st, for an unbelievable show. A lot of comedy, some stories, a great tribute to Mr. Sinatra. This is a night you can't miss. It begins at 6 p.m. in a luxury tent right in front of the theater with a full dinner complete with signature dishes from Frank Sinatra's favorite restaurant, Patsy's, and owner and chef Sal Scagnamillo. You know what's really great? We'll be raising money for scholarships at Bergen Community College, a great school. You get valet parking, dinner, wine, the show, everything for one unbelievable price, 125 bucks. The Saccone Theater's an intimate venue that will sell out fast, so get your tickets now at tickets.bergen.edu. That's tickets.bergen.edu. Tickets.bergen.edu or call 201-447-7428. I'll see you there. Now that I've got your attention, let me tell you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello, anyone? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world? It's time for Salem Surround. Let us handle everything and get your message seen and heard. Let's turn up the volume on your business with Salem Surround. For more information, go to surroundnewyork.com. That's surroundnewyork.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to Eye on Real Estate. I'm here with Alfred Renner, who's one of the top residential leaders in New York City. And we're talking about the market. And Alfred, I just want to read you something and get your take on this. I'm reading something from the Wall Street Journal that says the U.S. housing market slowed for seven straight months in August, and it's the longest stretch of declining sales since 2007. Homes were poised to decline further in the coming months, economists said, as mortgage rates recently topped 6%. And by the way, the Fed said they're going to keep on raising them. As long as mortgage rates remain elevated, Sales will remain depressed. Now, I have to tell you, I don't know, I can't speak for the whole country, but I can tell you, I was looking at prices in Florida, they're off the wall. What do you see, what do you see for New York City? I mean, I always tell people, there's never a good place, there's never the right time to buy. I mean, there's always, you know, there's, you, you, you can't time the real estate market. But people are reading this. They're reading we're in a recession. They're reading that 2023 is going to be a horrible year. This is because I read all the papers, and that's what they're filling everybody with. And, again, Alfred and I are on the ground. We're doing it every day. 
Um, what do you think? And what are your well, what are your you know the clients talking about? Well, maybe maybe what they're doing is factoring in 2020, in which um, sales in New York City were down, you know, over 50 percent. And if right. you factor that in, you average that in, you're going to overall you're bringing the numbers down. But um, right now, in the in the uh, first half of the year, we had a very strong year. Um, quite comparable to 2019 or better than 2019. Not not as good as 2021, but we can't use 2021 as a typical year. That was an anomaly. No. I mean, like I said earlier, right. the world was moving, um, and people are still moving as a result of how their lives have changed. So that's a very grim uh, story that you just read to me. <laughs> Well, this, but but I, I, I read it to you because, you know, I, I I read all the papers. I read everything that has to do with real estate. And I know that, our, you know, that people are reading this stuff. And so, and of course, I, you know, the press is never going to write, oh, the sun is shining and everything is wonderful and everything is great because that doesn't sell papers. So right. they're always going to have that negative view. But I don't see it that way. I see that, you know, Alfred, remember in 2008 when people were actually going to the banks and taking money out. And I was nervous. People were going to the banks trying to get their money out. Okay. And I said to everybody at Douglas Elder, listen, people are always going to need houses. So if they don't buy houses, we'll sell 10. Okay. People always need a place to live. And you can't time the market perfectly. And those of you who bought properties in the last year or two have, you know, everyone has so much more equity because prices went up almost, I think, around 14, 15%, okay, uh, in the last couple of years. So you can't keep that number going. You know, it, it would, you couldn't, nobody would be able to buy a house. So I think they're going to calm down a little and they're going to go to like an average, like an appreciation of maybe 3%, something 5%, something of that nature. What do you, and don't forget, the foreigners really have not really come back 100% yet. They're just starting to trickle in. And not that we, you know, everyone thought that, I remember everyone would say, oh, I want a foreign buyer or a foreign buyer. They're going to bring a suitcase of cash. When in actuality, that wasn't true, and, and New York is not made of just foreign buyers. Majority of people that live in New York want to be in New York, and they live in other states. So what are you seeing going forward? Um, you know how, how the, the rental market has been insane, and there's been, there's been lines for apartments uh, yeah. in Manhattan, right, and Brooklyn, and in Queens. Yeah. So um, I had dinner uh, a few weeks back with a very prominent landlord in Manhattan who has thousands of apartments, thousands of units, thousands and thousands of units. So I asked him, I said, why is there no supply of units? Who is renting these properties? And he told me that the vast majority of people coming in and renting are young people from around the United States. They're all coming to Manhattan to live here to be with each other as a as a community and they all have all of these people coming have the ability to work remotely so they're no longer tied to an office 
um, in any particular state, and they all want to be in New York City. Now, Dottie, you and I both know that renters turn into buyers. So, and especially at these rents, if you're going to pay this kind of rent, even if you have to, you know, start very small, it's not like you can save any money. The the, the rents are astronomical. So if if it were me, I would do everything I can to talk to a mortgage, you know, a loan officer and see where I can get in. And even if it's something that's less than you wanted, you got to get in the game because you're not going to save any money on rent. You're going to, you no, know, I mean, because there's Right. But this is their, their entry into New York City. And they're in their early, mid-20s, late-20s now. But in five years, three to five years, they're going to start buying. And we're going to have another surge of price increase that's coming predominantly from this, this group of, of younger people who have now built their lives in New York City. Even though their office is not here, doesn't matter anymore. The office can be in yeah. Honolulu. It could be in Topeka, Kansas has no bearing on it anymore. They choose to live in New York City because it's the most vibrant, thriving, energetic city in the United States. And let's face it, every, well, I don't want to say every, but most young kids always want to be here, okay? Because New York City is New York, and there's no place quite like it in the world. Uh, what do you think about the, I just have to ask you a quick question. You know, they're proposing that, uh, congested traffic idea where they're going to charge people to come into the city. What are you thinking of that? I think what's going to happen is that um, <laughs> we're going to pay attention to it at first. We're not going to like it. And then we're going to adjust and move on. And it's not going to stop us from moving forward. Nothing stops New Yorkers from moving forward, Dottie. It may cause us <laughs> That's pause. But nothing stops us. You know, if um, uh, 9-11 didn't stop people from living in New York City and coming to New York City, uh, price surge is, is not going to in the Midtown area. So, No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I, and, and people have to live somewhere. And New York is the city that, you know, I think it's the top city that people want to live in. And, 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 you know, then there was an article on people leaving. Well, those people were going to leave anyway. You know, there's certain, a certain group of people, demographics that have gotten older and they, you know, they, you know, they lived in the city their whole life and they kind of say, well, you know, maybe I'm going to buy that house in Florida. Okay. But at the same token, for those that are doing that and moving there, there is a million people coming into New York City. So, as you said, it just all evens out, you know, but, it bounces you know, out. Dottie, my understanding is that they go by the changing of the driver's license from New York to Florida. So the assumption is made that they've moved to Florida, but that's not the case. Most of the people that have purchased a property in Florida have done so for tax purposes, but they are keeping their properties in Manhattan. Some are keeping this, the same size and some are scaling down to maybe something a little bit smaller, but they are maintaining a foothold in Manhattan. And the articles don't say that. They just go by the transfer of the license because they need to make, they need to make Florida their primary residence. 
and there's certain rules uh, and tax codes that go along with that. But these people are not giving up their residences in Manhattan. Manhattan is not over. They are coming back because they need to plug in. Um, they have offices here. They, some are still working here, but they need to come back for the culture. They come back for the energy. So it's not that they've left uh, New York completely. And that's not identified oh, no. in those articles. Oh, no, because when I was in Florida, when we were actually locked down and, you know, the city got hit the worst, if you remember, in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we were in New York City and they and I remember, you know, everything was so strict. You couldn't visit your own mother if she was in an apartment. I mean, they really were on it in New York. Uh, and then I was I went to Florida and I I thought I was in another country. I see everybody at bars, they're drinking. I mean, it was so different here. Um, so I think that, you know, people then kind of, when the city, because we got hit pretty bad in New York, when, when, when that happened, yes, a lot of them got out, but they all were anxious to come back. And I think people having, you know, with, with, with working from home as now really became, I think that trend was always happening, but it was expedited by, you know, COVID. I think yeah. you're right. People can live anywhere. And some, in many cases, they're living in two locations or they'll spend a couple of months elsewhere. But they, but, they, but they maintain a place here all the time. And as far as foreigners, aren't they trickling back? They oh, are trickling have- back now that the restrictions are down. Although the, the dollar is very strong against the euro, so that's holding some back. They, they want to wait until their currency is a little bit stronger. Okay, Alfred, I think our time is up. You have to come back soon. Okay, we always love and is always right. Thank you and have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll be back next week. Have a wonderful weekend. We love you and we love listening to everything that you have to say. Please send any questions you have to Dottie Herman. DHerman.com. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.